Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. And we're continuing our exploration of Surah Al Hujrat, Surah 49. And the floor is yours. Awesome. So, yeah, um, last time we left off on Ayat 11. So, we're going to, or we finished Ayat 11. So, we're going to start with 12. And basically what I gather from this ayat is that there are three main prohibited like ideas. And the first one is called, and also please uh, correct my pronunciation if I get some of these wrong, but the first one is Zan, I believe. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, Zan. And that roughly translates to like accusations. And basically this is a prohibited thing to do. Um, It's basically saying don't act on like these suspicions that are formed from partial evidence. So if you only know a part of the story, don't be quick to, you know, jump to assumptions that you that you completely understand the situation. So that's like basically a prohibited thing. And they broke it up into four categories. Um, the first one being prohibited just in general. Um, these or this primarily encompassed the idea of not thinking all, uh, not thinking ill of Allah. And basically in the idea that like, don't think that he's not going to forgive you or show you mercy on the day of judgment. Um, yeah, just in generally, don't think ill of Allah. And then the second realm was imperative. Um, and basically what they meant by the word imperative is if you have partial evidence, it's imperative that you should act on your best assessment of the situation. So like the example they brought up was like a judge, for example, like and obviously a judge would not know the entire situation, but just acting on basically like what your gut would tell you is like your best take of the situation. And this was Azan Ulgalib. That's what that roughly translated to. And the third was the recommended and desirable. Um, Basically, these encompass having desirable thoughts about other Muslims. So like, you know, favorable thoughts about them. And an example is that, um, like, say like, or this is what I gathered at least. So if there's a a fellow Muslim um, and like you've maybe like heard murmurs that this person did something bad. Um, basically it's saying that you should be cautious of the person, but don't jump to labeling them as a thief, for example. Um, so always have like, always, you know, innocent until proven guilty. I think it's like that same idea, you know, just don't, don't, don't jump to assume that that person is in the wrong. And the fourth category was permissible. And these are just like the permissible actions, like your prayers, for example. Um, and the, the um, and and, go, and connecting this with the idea of um, accusations, I guess they were kind of saying like, if you're not sure what you're doing, like if you're praying, for example, and you're not sure what rakat you are on, um, you should just make the best possible assessment of the situation and finish your prayers accordingly. So that's kind of what I gathered from just um, the first prohibited action. But did you have anything to add to that? So, so one point to think about uh, is that. Uh, so Van is sort of like speculation, imagination, leaning in a particular positive or negative direction, right? So, so I think here translated as as assumptions or something like that. Yeah, accusation. And, yeah, and so the point is that uh, that's just part of the human mind, you know, that your mind is always thinking, always processing. And so think back in class when we talked about the concept of the ayah being that you're always interpreting. So we did the exercise of the leaf falling from the tree. And, and so almost everybody in class said that when I gave that uh, scenario, they thought of fall, right? Because you're socially conditioned to think in such and such ways. And so you're, you're always thinking, with, so when you see someone 
Or if you see two people who look like they're walking next to each other, you're just going to think, okay, there's a connection between them two. You know, just because of the fact they just happen to be in that moment, let's say at a grocery store, walking next to each other, behind each other, even though they may not even know each other, they just happen to be that way. So the point is that you're always interpreting, you're always imagining. And in the process of trying to take control of that thinking, um, so you have this issue of a thun, which is essentially when you see things or hear things, how do you process it? So many people, especially when you're younger, just let their thoughts run wild. So you'll think of something and then you'll think of something because of that. You'll think of something because of that. And you'll think of something because of that. And next thing you know, you knee deep in anxiety to the point that you're shaking. Right. Right. And so, so yeah. So one is the issue of, okay, what factual concrete information do I have to work with? Mm. And gotcha. how much of a complete picture do I think that that's giving me? Mm. Yeah. So, so right. yeah. Yeah, so basically what I'm kind of gathering is like there is this unknown thing that you have and it's your and you're trying to take control of this unknown thing and you're basically using the like the evidence and like the stuff you know around you to make your best informed opinion. Would that yeah. be a good way of saying it? Yeah, if you need an opinion. Hmm. So this is the point I made with another student earlier today that <clears throat> there's so many things going on in our society where you almost feel compelled to have an opinion about everything. And it's probably true that 99% of the issues that you're faced with, you don't even need to have an opinion. You may need not even need to pay attention. Right. Or even if there's some issues that might be relevant to you, you still may not need to have an opinion. Hmm. And I mean, in terms of the big things people always like to talk about, like what example is evolution? Right. You know, so across our community, you'll have those people say, no, it didn't happen. All those people who say it does happen. Fundamentally, it doesn't really matter if you have an opinion or not. Hmm. Um, and nevertheless, um, so part of this is, is taking control of your thinking rather than let someone else or something else taking control of your thinking. Mm. So this is especially an issue in terms of our era of fake news right. that you're, you're going to be hearing news all day long. Um, and there's still the question of how much of that is authentic and how much of that is, even if it's authentic, how much of the big pictures it's sharing. Mm. right so that's an issue that's going to keep increasing yeah and and so the default number one should be that your thoughts about Allah Ta'ala should be positive should be favorable right. by extension about the prophet peace be upon him you know? um, and in terms of people that should still be your default and just mm. like you said your default should be that you know you uh, think of people as innocent unless you have sufficient evidence to the contrary. And so another way to think about that is, uh, suppose you have, uh, you know, uh, a Muslim kid, Muslim Palestinian kid, student, undergrad, and a Jewish undergrad. Uh, the trap they can both fall into is automatically make assumptions about the other side in terms of what do they think about, about Palestine, Jerusalem, Israel, all that stuff, right? Mm, right. Then you're not dealing with a human being. And so even though I'm saying the default is you take them as, take everyone as innocent, it's, I, I literally have to say, first you have to default to by taking everybody as a human being and then take them as innocent. By human being, I'm saying they're people with, with similar life goals, with mm -hmm. complexities and all that stuff. Right. 
And then, yeah. And so if you have sufficient evidence uh, to have an opinion on someone to the contrary of innocence, to the contrary of thinking of them as honest and such, and mm. you need to have an opinion, then yeah, then you go down that road. So when does this really play out? Like, uh, for example, suppose you know someone who's getting married to somebody and you know that person they're getting married to is a creep. Mm. Right. Or you have enough evidence that people should be concerned, then you might be obliged to speak. Mm. It's just rumors. You can perhaps share them or decide, is it necessary? Right. And so, so this is, uh, a, as a concept, it's a simple thing. But in practice, it's a very, very important thing, especially increasingly in our era, just because of how much we get bombarded. You know, we might discover that all the, all the, uh, the right-wingers that, you know, that were in office for the last four years, we might discover that those were the rational people. Sure. We bought so much into, you know, a particular narrative yeah. that every news story that supported the narrative just seemed to be reemphasizing the truth. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree. I feel like there is this constant battle of like buying into or like you're being force fed a certain narrative. And then on the other hand, people also want you to have your own original opinion. So yeah. it's really hard if you like to formulate an original opinion when you're getting force fed like a narrative that's either super conservative or super liberal. And, you know, they like demonize the other side. So it's just really, I feel like it's kind of difficult at times. And then I feel like society or college in general kind of, you know, like penalizes you for not having an original opinion at times. So, you know, I feel like it's really hard for like from a student's point of view or even like a professor. Yeah, I mean, like even think of something like, uh, I remember in class on a similar topic, I asked the students in class, um, how many of you believe OJ Simpson killed his wife or his ex-wife? And almost everybody in the class raised their hand. Okay. And keep in mind, everybody is younger than the murderer. And then I asked, okay, how many of you, uh, how many of you watched uh, some of the trial? And almost none of the hands came up. I think one person claimed to have watched the whole trial. Another person said, yeah, I watched the whole um, Netflix, um, whatever that was, American Crime Story, you know, the whole docudrama. And therefore, he determined that O.J. Simpson mm-hmm. killed his wife. And, right. And the first point I made is, okay, what do you even have to have an opinion? Like, what relevance does it have to your life? <laughs> that, how do all of you with zero evidence determining this, you know? Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, that's, that's, that's a really interesting point. Yeah, we all seem to have opinions about things that really don't pertain to us at all yeah. or have any significance. But yeah, um, the second prohibited action that um, this ayat specified was, um, in Arabic, it was the justice and the justice, I believe that's how you say it. Um, the justice translates to spying and the justice translates to searching. So this is the idea of spying or like prying secretly into the faults of others. So, you know, like just really trying to emphasize, do not like try to emphasize or like, you know, judge someone by their faults, I guess, because they then bring up the point that if you search for someone's faults, then Allah will search for your faults. And, you know, that's just not what you want. And um, they also include um, eavesdropping in this realm as well. So, so what do you think it means that Allah will search for your faults? Because I mean, obviously Allah knows everything. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think it's just the idea that um, like if you're quick to judge others, Allah will ap- apply those same principles to you because he's saying he's explicitly telling us not to do these certain things. But then if you go against his word and do them, then like I guess the repercussion would be 
he would do the same thing to you that he stopped or that he told you not to do. But that was my understanding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, exactly that. And how might he manifest that? He might manifest that by someone who's doing the same thing, by, set, by making someone do the same thing to you. Hmm. And then there's also a principle here that's kind of a scary principle, that if you're looking for a fault and you go digging, like a fault, especially if you don't want to find out it's true, but you keep searching for it, and you go digging for it, you're going to find it. Sure. Right. You know, so so this often often happens when people start, you know, cyber stalking might be too strong a word, but it's basically stalking. When you start going through someone's, you know, cyber history, their social media history, and you're just looking to find, okay, let's, I mean, we're just talking about right-wingers. Let's say you have, you know, a friend that you haven't been connected with for a while. And so, and you get connected to social media and then you're just looking to see, all right, is this guy a right-winger? Is this some anti-Islam guy? Yeah. Uh, if you go with that intention, there's a principle that you're, that's what you're going to find. Yeah. And so uh, the default, so we're saying the default is you should think good of people, think innocent of people and such. That alone should prevent you from spying. And, and so this idea of tahassus is sort of like, you know, very, very strong conjecture against somebody. Sure. You know, right. So spying is you're actually looking. And tahassus is like, you just, yeah, I just know that person's guilty. <laughs> Yeah, and there was a really like relevant like contemporary example of the hustles that I like literally found out about this morning. Like, um, you might know about like how the mosque in Naperville was trying to expand and stuff, and there's totally. this whole thing about like the neighborhood backlash and stuff. And and it's funny because I always think you're from Naperville, but I remember reminding <laughs> myself right now he's not from Naperville. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, and through like some of the group chats I'm in, um, some of the people were like really you know, pushing the idea that the, the sole reason why they don't want the mosque's expansion is like Islamophobic related reasons. Mm -hmm. And even though like they do bring up a lot of valid arguments because it's right beside a neighborhood that, you know, they were scared about noise pollution, light pollution, um, excessive traffic, um, because they were really expanding into a much larger area. So they really had valid concerns. But, you know, some of the people I was talking to, they were like, nope, that's all fake. Like, it's, it's just a pure, pure Islamophobia. Okay. So I guess that's, I'm sure there is, there may be some truth to it, but I guess yeah. it's also the idea of searching, like search, you know? Yeah. So, 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 I mean, speaking as a former Naperville resident and, <laughs> and just knowing, you know, a bit of the history of Islam in America and such, sure. uh, there's a couple of different aspects of this. If you're thinking of a specific person, okay, then your default should be innocent until proven guilty and all that stuff. Um, in part because the other option is paranoia. You know, yeah. the judges, the, the justice, the hustles, all those are literally bred or fueled by paranoia, right? On the flip side, uh, there is a certain amount of fair assumption that, okay, in Naperville, are there people who are anti-Islamia, right? Um, and so it is not wrong to consider that as part of it, but, uh, the, but then again, the issue becomes, okay, do I need to have this opinion? You know, mm -hmm. if, I'm, if I'm like in a chat group just sitting around, what am I gaining by just deciding it's Islamophobia? Right. Um, I think I'm just making myself miserable. Then it just becomes yeah. conspiracy theory. Yeah, and I feel like it kind of brews this like inner hatred because you're like kind of, I don't want to say unfoundly making the assumption, but like you're definitely like exacerbating it in your mind. Totally. But yeah. 
And mm-hmm. and then it turned out like, you know, all these people from churches just came out in full force and support. You know, I forgot what the final voting was. It was something like eighty two hundred people pro and and I think like like something like seven hundred against. Right. It was just totally lopsided in favor of pro and it, oh, wow. it, and yeah and like i said it it, uh, it turned out that a whole lot of people from the churches you know which is where we would expect the islamophobia to be brewing sure um, those are the people that came forward in, in support of the church wow mashallah that's awesome that. yeah. so that's, that's great i heard uh, a couple days ago yeah that's awesome um, yeah, and the third prohibited main action that they were talking about was backbiting, which in Arabic is ghiba. Ghiba, yeah. Ghiba. Yeah, and is this basically um, the idea of speaking ill of a person behind his or her back, which if they heard would hurt their feelings. And even if the idea, even if the concept that you're talking about is true, you, you know, you still should not do this. And if the victim is not present while you're doing this, while you're talking bad about them behind their back, um, the Quran actually compares this to eating the flesh of a dead person. Mm-hmm. And this also does not mean that you shouldn't say hurtful things in the present of the other person, because when you do that, that's also prohibited. And that's called lums, I believe. Um, and this one is so bad that the Quran compares it to eating the flesh of a live person. And the idea behind using you know, flesh as this point of comparison, it's just that eating flesh is inhumane and so is backbiting. So it's really showing how against the Quran is about doing these things. Mm-hmm. And say you say something that is untrue behind someone's back, you know, that's just slander them. And that's also yeah. prohibited. So I guess that's the whole idea about, you know, if your motives are in the wrong place and you're talking about someone, um, just, just don't do that. You know, the Quran really does not want you to do that. Mm-hmm. And the most severe of these, oh wait, did you have anything to add before I dived into the next? Um, just uh, this metaphor of, of the living or dead brother. What mm-hmm. else is being said here that you're cannibalizing? And, not, and mm-hmm. I mean, not just metaphorically, but these are the people who are basically on your team. Yeah. And a very common, uh, a, an easy way to destroy your own team is is cannibalizing, taking your own people down. Yeah. And yeah, whenever you're ready, continue. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just mute occasionally so I can write things down. And yeah, that'll... of course. Yeah, take it up. Take it up. Um, yeah. So the most severe of these three things, um, the Quran says, is backbiting. And backbiting is even worse than lums because when you backbite a victim, you know they can't even defend themselves because they're not present at all. And backbiting is also not forgiven unless the injured party allows you to forgive. You know they're they're accepting of your um, um, of your. Um, I'm, I'm I'm blanking out on yeah. the word, but. Yeah. Yeah, backbiting is also, um, it also encompasses, you know, making fun of a person behind their back. So say if you're not saying anything, but if the person has a limp, for example, and you're imitating the limp, you know, that is also prohibited. And say you find yourself in the situation where someone is backbiting, um, the best thing that you should, that you can do is just to not listen or care for the conversation. Because Mm -hmm. it's also said that if you are invested in this type of conversation and brewing this type of environment, that is just as bad as backbiting itself. Yeah. And I guess this is really relevant because, um, you know, gossip as a whole, like it's really, really prevalent, especially in like my generation and the Quran does, um, or the Islam in general, it does prohibit this. So it's really, yeah. This is, uh, yeah, there's going to be people, we're taught that there's going to be people who did all kinds of good works 
you know, their whole lives. And then they're going to come on the day of judgment and they're going to see that all their good was completely depleted because they had a loose tongue. Mm. And so, so what are we speaking about in the previous section? We're talking about like a loose mind where you're just letting your mind go in all kinds of, of bad directions. And now we're talking about a loose tongue where your tongue is, is going in all kinds of, of, of bad directions here. Right. Yeah. So there, it's really, really a prohibited action. And there are some exceptions, however, um, uh, warning your fellow Muslims of wrongdoers and uh, consulting another person about a matter that involves someone else. So if it's not, if you don't have this intent to like insult the person, but rather you're informing someone about something, that is okay. And also I do see that our time is out. So do you, you want to pick up on this later or what, what do you want to do? Uh, yeah, let's stop right here. And okay. then, uh, then we'll continue until the next time. And, and then feel free uh, if you have the time and such to continue moving along. Yeah. Awesome, inshallah. Cool, any last questions or anything? Uh, no, that's all. Okay, so, so we'll just pick up right around here next time, inshallah. Okay, great. All righty. Subhanakallah, humma bihamdika, nashadu illa ilaha illa anta, nasta'afiruka, wa nakubu ilayki. Assalamu alaikum. Allah. Allah.